that was pretty much every time we placed an order, I never had the money to cover that order when I placed it, you know? And I would just cross my fingers and hope that the sales that I'm counting on, like, you know, the projections that I'm making are actually going to hold. We're back. This is Katie Hoversmoot, and you're listening to Wild Rye Radio, a show about breaking trail and the characters who've led the way. I'm the founder of Wild Rye, and you might have noticed that Wild Rye Radio has been on a bit of a hiatus for the past couple of months, but we are coming back for a summer season, and I'm excited to share with you today my interview with Jen Kriske, founder of Machines for Freedom. We're having kind of an update conversation. Jen and I connected about Machines for Freedom last year, and just about a month ago, Machines was uh, acquired, invested in, um, brought under the umbrella of specialized bikes. So I wanted to touch base with her, talk about what that's been like, about the relief, the challenges, what the future holds for Machines. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and without further ado, here's Jen. Today, I'm talking to Jen Kriske, the founder of Machines for Freedom, Um, and Machines has had some major moments in the past year, and most recently, I think about two weeks ago, an announcement that you have received an investment from Specialized Bikes, Uh, but also included in that are new product launches, Pitch Fest, more. How does it feel a year later? Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, this last year has been quite the roller coaster. Um, It's... uh, there's like so many feelings involved when you sort of hit these thresholds. Um, and I think my number one feeling is just excitement. Um, but then there's also a little bit of relief involved because I mean, sure as you can relate, um, you know, running your own business is a lot of stress and a lot of responsibility that you maybe didn't realize you were signing up for when you got into it. (laughs) So, um, you know, to be able to sort of share the load is a really great feeling. Yeah, I'm sure. And I'm sure also just kind of having the relief of obviously when you're running a a small business and no matter how quickly your business is growing, it's hard to just keep up with the costs every time you want to add a new product or, you know, you're just managing cash flow alone can turn you, turn you gray pretty young. I've noticed. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what would keep me up at night, you know? And, um, and then it, it also would detract from the creative work that we wanted to do. So it's like, I found it very difficult. It's like the managing the money and the finances and the budget and all of that was like one half of my brain. And then the product ideas and the marketing campaigns and the photo shoots, that's like the other half of my brain. And to switch back and forth and to toggle between those two was really difficult. Yeah. And it's hard, I think too, when you're starting your own company and you don't have like a a co-founder or the ability to hire a professional CFO. I mean, you end up having to kind of play catch up and learn all these aspects of business that you never thought would be such a major part of running an organization, but are critical to the day-to-day business. Yeah. I I mean, just like a crash course in bookkeeping, you know, (laughs) that was, that that alone made me gray. (laughs) For sure. And I know you had talked um, in your Instagram stories, you talked about the fact that you've also been working um, another job. And Cassie and I recently recorded a founder's chat for the Wild Rye Radio about working full time while running a business, with bo- which both she and I do as well. And what has that experience been like for you managing two jobs and a growing business. Um, and of course, then you have the expectations of customers and retailers and manufacturers that you always be available. But in fact, you know, you have this whole other thing that supports your food. 
Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I have been very blessed in that I didn't have to work full time. So, um, you know, I went back into design and I picked it up on a part-time basis. And I think that situation worked because it was, a it was two women that, um, I've worked in design, the design world before. Um, we all worked together, like our first jobs out of college. So, uh, we knew each other really well. We could be really open with one another and they knew about machines and they knew like the situation I was in. Um, and so it really boiled down to just like really making sure I was setting very clear expectations about the time I was able to allot to them. Um, and then they were really great at managing clients in a way that they, the clients didn't start encroaching on my time too much. Um, so, you know, it was, we basically outlined like, okay, this is, I have X amount of hours a week to give you. And then we strategized about how best to utilize that time. Um, and I, I actually surprisingly, while it was really difficult and definitely sucked up a ton of my time and a ton of my energy, what was interesting is I found that my work with machines became much more efficient. So, and, and I've always sort of been like that. Like I remember even in college, I was always like in college and I had side projects and I also worked a job and, you know, I've always been one of those people that has like a million things going at once. And I think I operate better that way because then I don't have time to uh, overthink things or like get too caught up in the stress and the rumination and, um, you know, you kind of just, you're forced to like make a decision, act and go. Um, whereas like when you're running your own business and you don't really have anyone to answer to, it's really easy to, um, stall because you get nervous. Like, am I making the right decision? Is this the right move? You know, and you start to just like spiral into this world of second guessing and, um, you don't necessarily have somebody there to like, tell you like, no, no, like setting deadlines for you and things like that. So it sort of created these self-imposed deadlines on myself and as some self-imposed structure that I think I needed. And I think the work for machines actually got better. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And I think it's true. It's so, I think especially when it comes to creative decisions, it's really easy to think, I'll just take another week to think about this. And then at the end of the next week, it's, I'm just going to need a few more days to make this decision. (laughs) And then, you know, another week later, you're like, no, no, I'm going to do it this week. I promise I'll make those decisions. And, you know, you just end up kicking the can down the road until suddenly you're calling suppliers, begging them to deliver as fast as possible. Yeah, Um, because it's like, it's sort of, it's such a sort of final decision and you're investing a lot in like, once you place that product order, it's a big investment. And so you want to make sure you're making the right decision. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting when the work isn't your own on such a personal level, when it's your own company, I mean, not only is the work your own, but honestly, usually the startup capital is your own as well. And when you're working for clients or for somebody else, you feel this almost a sense of like immediate relief and freedom, um, that you're not the one managing that bottom line. Yeah, it does. Uh, I would joke with my friends, like if machines doesn't work out and I go back to like a nine to five job, like I'm going to be such a good employee (laughs) because I have so much respect (laughs) for what it takes to pay somebody's salary. And I understand that, um, you know, like with my friends that ran this design firm, I understood the pressure that they were under, um, you know, in order to make overhead and pay their, um, designers and all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, it just, it gives you a very, uh, unique insight into running a business. Yeah, it absolutely does. So I also know that you did a mini Q and a on Instagram stories about the specialized, um, merger investment acquisition. Uh, but tell us a little bit more, uh, why do you think specialized was a good fit for you and why did you choose them? I have to say, of course, 
as many people listening to this podcast know, I'm already so partial to specialized, despite the fact they're kind of a behemoth in the industry, um, since that's kind of where I got my start and cut my teeth. And I have nothing but the best things to say about them. I think from a product standpoint, the the merger makes total sense to me. But I'd, I'd love to hear kind of your insights on why it was a good fit. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, um, it's definitely not something that, I, that either side went into lightly. I mean, we, we were in, we were talking about this for, uh, a year, almost a year exactly to the date that everything was finalized. Um, and I, and I think, and it was for sort of like all of those reasons that you're talking about where they're like, they're so big and, um, you know, wanted to make sure that machines wouldn't kind of get swallowed up and lost in that, uh, company's culture. Um, because it's like, just once you get to a certain size, you have so much influence, um, over things. So, um, uh, we were very, very careful in figuring out the best way to structure it. And ultimately it boiled down to, um, I mean, a, a few things, like I had been searching for, um, not just the in- investment, um, help, but also strategic partnership. And, you know, as a company is growing, you start, you can't do everything on your own and you need to start bringing in some senior level people that can help you grow in the areas where you're not as strong. And so for me, that was in operations and that's in, um, sales and that's where specialized has so many strengths. I mean, that's why they're as successful as they are is because they're very strong in those areas. So their company really kind of fit, filled those gaps for machines in a really, really, really beautiful way. Um, and then on top of it, you know, they, their product, they, you know, their product innovation is, I mean, they're, they're industry leaders for a reason, <laughs> you know, they have a lot of, um, of innovation at their disposal. Um, so being able to learn from that is a huge opportunity. Um, and they're very committed to um, doing cooler things within the women's market. So I think that's where it becomes a really great partnership because we can really help facilitate that as well um, by lending our voice and having a say at um, you know the products and things that are kind of being developed um, internally with Specialized as well. So you know it's like one of those things where I and through the course of these conversations, I think what I needed to really feel certain of is that this was indeed a two-way conversation. Um, and this wasn't like a big company buying up little company, um, that, that it truly was a partnership. I mean, I think that they haven't in, at least in my time period, the acquisition was not, or like even investment was not really something that was on the table since they are so large. Um, I think it's really interesting that they found so much value in the brand that, you know, this is, I think for them, a huge first step too. Yeah, this is definitely, uh, there's, there's been other acquisitions, but this is definitely a first in the way that it's structured and the way that it's approached. Um, and, and I, and I think everybody on both sides sees the value in machines staying very independent and still maintaining its own voice. Um, and that was, that was first and foremost, what was most important to me. Um, you know, both from a personal standpoint and for the benefit of the company, you know, our, our company is all about, um, being a voice for the women's community when, um, when the industry didn't really have a place for that. And so it's very important that we still continue to be able to play that role. Um, and then for, for me personally, like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I've been, you know, 
running my own show for a very long time. And so it was very important that I had a voice within that corporate structure. Um, and so that's what was, and, you know, and, and through the points of the conversation and through points of all of the back and forth between me and it was, it was Matt Proctor. I don't know if you ever worked with him while you were there. Um, and Kwai Kong, they were the two people that, um, really made this happen. Um, they, there was multiple points in all of our conversations where, um, they were able to show me that like that, um, that machine's voice and that my voice did matter a great deal. Um, and so that was really important and, and such a huge move for the industry, you know, it's like, and I mean, just for women in business in general, because, you know, let's be honest, like it still happens where you're in a conference room and someone repeats your idea back to the group as if it's their own or, um, you know, or you're just like talked over and, you know, I mean, that stuff still happens. And so, um, I think when I originally started the business, it was so nice to be out of that and like be in my own little happy bubble where I didn't have to deal with that, um, that kind of treatment anymore. Um, but at the same time, like I've kind of grown in a way and at the same time, I'm like, it, it, at the end of the day, you can't always like isolate yourself <laughs> in that way. And we all need to learn how to work together. So this is like a really good opportunity for, um, I think that growth to take place on a much bigger level than just cycling. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, I have to say in the time period that the almost five years that I was at Specialized, I really thought that the entire senior executive team and the leadership team there, um, not just in the U.S., but I think like globally across the board was really committed to advancing women into leadership roles, to giving them a voice. Um, And I know that that's something that as a company they're incredibly aware of and, and work really hard to promote and give women opportunities and mentorships within the organization. So, um, I know I'm sure some people are like, but they're so big, but to me coming from the inside, it makes total sense that they would a want to bring you in and b that it would end up being a good fit because I do think they're incredibly committed to the women's market. But not only that, I think they're committed to building women within the organization. So, um, you know, I would challenge anyone who would say otherwise. Yeah. A lot of people outside of the, that don't have that inside knowledge probably wouldn't realize how many amazing women work within that company and work at a very senior level. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. And that was one of the things that was really great is I had the opportunity to participate in, um, an ambassador summit that they held. That's actually where I met Stephanie Kaplan. And we started talking about the machines tarmac that we did, which is gorgeous. By the way, I was literally oh, like, I, I would you. buy it's... one of those tomorrow if I could get my hands on one. <laughs> oh my god, I took it out for the first ride this weekend, and it was so fun. Um, so yeah, and then I had the opportunity to like, yeah, it, I and Kayla like nailed it with the paint. Um, so, uh, but yeah, and then I. I had the opportunity to like go to headquarters and meet a lot of the people involved and a lot of the women that are involved with the company. And like, I mean, that was part of the thing that was so exciting to me is I was like, wow, I'm going to have the opportunity to work with some really amazing, smart, um, talented women at this company. So, um, yeah, it just like, it all made sense. So, I mean, now that you're safely in the fold, do you think there's anything you'll miss about the struggle of going it on your own? Um, and, I don't know. What are you most excited to leave behind about that struggle? You know, there's like any transition, it's always like a little bittersweet. Um, but I'm definitely way more excited and ready for this next step than, um, feeling sort of nostalgic for what was before. Um, the, I think probably the thing I'll miss the most is just the, 
um, I don't have to answer to anyone kind of <laughs> deal, you know, where if I'm being completely honest, like if, and I've worked for a lot of very um, talented entrepreneurs in the past. And I think there's one characteristic that I maybe share with these individuals. It's that, um, if I'm being completely honest with myself, I don't like to have to answer to people and I don't like things slowing me down, you know, and the nature of a company growing is that suddenly there are going to be people you have to answer to, and there are going to be processes in place that you're going to have to navigate, which may slow you down a little bit. So, um, and it's really, I mean, that's just like, uh, if you're going to grow, that's a hurdle that you're going to have to get through. Um, and you know, you're, if otherwise you're only going to stay a certain size, um, and you're going to just sort of like plateau at that point. So, um, so I know it's a step I need to take and I'm, I think I'm at a point where I'm totally ready to take that on. Um, the, I'm, you know, the stuff that I am not going to miss is like what we were talking about where the, um, the, the stresses that keep you up at night, like the cash flow, and, um, you know, having to, um, noodle on like, you know, having to do my bookkeeping and having to like, uh, kind of do those like nuts and bolts business things that, um, I mean, I can do, but I, I wouldn't say I'm like, it's definitely not my strength and it's not what I really love to do. So I'm excited that that's not going to be taking up as much of my brain power anymore. Yeah. I find those pieces also to be surprisingly stressful. I mean, the decision to put something to make a purchase order when you're waiting for a check to come in and just hoping that everything equals out in the end can be, Oh God, I personally find that (laughs) so stressful because I'm not in my own personal finances, I'm not a risk taker. You know, I'm very responsible and always have been. I've always had a job. I don't have any, you know, like personally, I don't have any debt. And so it's so, so scary from a business perspective to kind of take and make these risky moves that you would never feel comfortable with personally. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty much every time we placed an order, I never had the money to cover that order when I placed it you know, and you're just like, you just made my entire week so much better by saying that. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true. And I would just cross my fingers and hope that the sales that I'm counting on, like, you know, the projections that I'm making are actually going to hold, you know? Um, so, and that, that's what would keep me up at night. And that's part of the onus that I went back to work, um, was because I was like, you know what, I'm actually working to fund this company. You know, it's like, I can build up my coffers so that, if something does go south and I have this purchase order due, like at least I have the, I can put in the cash to cover it. Um, and that at least like brought my stress level down a little bit. Um, but it's hard because it's like, I'm also working with, um, you know, I'm working with a small factory and I do collaborations with companies that are not large companies. And so they're all struggling with the same cash flow issues that I am. So it's like, I can't hold up their payments. I mean, that's how you ruin your relationships with your factories and your um, partners. And then, and then your business is like done for if you don't have a strong relationship with your um, suppliers. So um, it's just like, it's really important to keep that going. Um, So yeah, no, I think that's the, and and anytime I talk to anyone who has done this, it's like, that's always the struggle that keeps them up at night. And, and it just, and it ends up like pulling you away from, I I guess it's a double-edged sword, right? It's kind of like when desperate times, like you figure out, you figure it out, you know, and there are, there have been times when I was like, man, like my bank account is looking lower than I was really hoping. And that's when I would get some creative idea, um, that would really like put our product in front of new people or, um, kind of grow the business in some way. So in some ways it does spark a little creativity, but 
in other ways, um, it, I found that it really, um, kind of paralyzed me at times. I mean, well, it makes it really hard to make good decisions and to move as quickly as you'd like. Um, I think that's one of the really big things. So, I mean, here you are, I mean, really by all accounts, you've totally made it. Obviously you, I think machines was incredibly successful before the specialized deal and everything. Um, but what has this journey really been like for you from the early days, you know, four years ago, five years ago, when you were just starting out to present, what have you kind of taken away from it? Oh oh gosh. Um, that's a hard one to sum up (laughs) quickly. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, I mean, the whole experience is such a roller coaster in, in a way that I have never experienced before from, um, you know, like the, the paralyzing fear and up to the like absolute, I can't believe I pulled this off and I can't believe I really did it. Um, sort of the way that that instills a certain level of confidence, um, in yourself. Um, and, and I, I think like, and ultimately it's like, uh, I'm kind of walking away from these last four years thinking, um, that I, I think I, it's like proving to myself that I was actually capable of way more than I gave myself credit for when I started this. Um, and so to reflect back on that is pretty, um, I don't know. It's kind of, it's special in a way. Um, but, but it's at the same time, it's like, had I known what the next four years were going to be like when I started on day one, I would not have done it. <laughs> I would have been like, well, that sounds crazy. There's no way. Like, that sounds like hell. I'm just going to like keep doing my job and like have some security and, you know? Um, so when I started like having a certain amount of ignorance was it definitely needed to make the jump. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's, um, I think that's completely true. I mean, I think having a little bit of ignorance around everything from, you know, the apparel production process to what the cost actually looks like to the, the kind of albatross around your neck that a, that a business really is really helps people get started. I think you're right. If you knew all those things, you probably would (laughs) just stay with the health insurance. I I was, um, I was, yes, right. There's that. Um, I was talking to, uh, Russell Cree is a business advisor and, um, he knows the cycling industry inside out and he helped me a lot through this process. He's, I sort of accredit him with giving me my crash course MBA, um, and even being able to have these talks and these negotiations with specialized. And, um, he had such a great analogy. He was like running, starting a business, being an entrepreneur is like riding a lion. And like, once you get on, you're like, okay, now what do I do? Like, if I get off, it's gonna eat me, (laughs) you know? And so you're kind of like, you're like, which way do I go? You know, I'm like either stuck on this lion or I try and get it off and get eaten. So, and that's what it feels like when you're in it. And it it just like sort of takes on its own momentum. Yeah. It really has a life of its own. It's like an organic creature that like keeps growing and needs to be fed. And you know, yeah, it's interesting. So for all our listeners wondering how you go from idea to acquisition, what would you, what advice would you give people thinking about starting a business today? You know, some of the best advice that was given to me when I started was to know what your end game is. And at the time I was like, really? I mean, it's such an organic process. Like, let's just see where we go. We're on this journey. And now I'm like, no, no, that was really important because, um, you, you come up with these questions, um, and 
you know, you need to make a decision about whether to take out that bank loan or try and find an investment partner or whether to take on this strategic partner. And, um, unless you, you don't know, if you don't know what your end game is, you're just going to end up floating all over the map and wasting so much time, um, and probably money in the process. So, um, you know, one way that I sort of visualized it was it's kind of like when you're out it out in the ocean, like out at sea and kind of like floating around and the current might be sweeping you one way or the other. And, you know, when you paddle in, you want to be in front of this lifeguard tower, you know? So, um, and like when I would surf a lot, whenever it's so easy to lose track of where you are in relation to the shore when you're out in the water. So you end up, when you paddle in, you're just looking at that lifeguard tower and you just, as long as you are sort of in that direction, you'll get there. And in the process, if you were to like take a bird's eye view of it, you're not making a straight line to that lifeguard tower. Like a wave is catching you and pushing you one way. And then the current comes and pushes you another way. And like ultimately you zigzag your way in and you make it to that lifeguard tower. Um, but it's never like a direct line, but it's very, very important that you keep your eye on that end destination. Otherwise you'll end up like a mile down the shore. <laughs> so, um, so it's kind of like that. Like I think it's really important to know, do you even want like an acquisition type exit or, um, is this a business that you really want to run as like a small mom and pop shop, um, for a very long duration or, um, you know, I mean, there's so many options that you can take when you start a business. Um, I think it's really important that you have an idea of where you want to end up, um, as you start and as you develop your plan. Are there any sort of key resources that you would suggest people consult for the nuts and bolts aspects of running a new business? I always find that it's hard when you're just starting out to kind of under, understand what you need to know or know what you don't know, if that makes sense. Um, is there anything that you relied on in terms of just like general resources over the past four years that really helped? Uh, you know, I, I'm actually not a big business book reader. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Cause I know lots of very successful business owners that, um, read a ton of books on that subject. Um, I tended to rely more on people. Um, you know, I'm, I ride with, and I'm surrounded by a lot of very intelligent individuals that have been very successful in business and they've, um, grown businesses and they've sold businesses and they've, um, you know, been in businesses that continue to grow and, um, sort of asking for their advice or just hearing how they did things really helped in giving me ideas on ways that I can approach machines and also just showing me that there's more than one way of doing something. Um, there's no sort of like recipe, like you do X, Y, and Z, and then you'll end up here. Um, and so for me, it really, it was those one-on-one conversations with people that have been in similar situations that helped the most. Um, and then, um, and then it was actually, um, and maybe this is going to sound like really airy fairy. I'm from LA and, <laughs> and I drink a lot of juice and kombucha. But, I don't know. Um, Do you have your crystals? Do you have your like crystals aligned on your desk for proper energy healing? Oh, oh my God. I'm not that far, but, um, um, I actually, I spent a lot of time, um, in addition to focusing on machines, I spent a lot of time focusing on my own personal development because I felt like as long as there were things within me, um, that were prohibiting my own personal growth, that that was going to also prohibit this growth because, um, I mean like all the analogies that people make to a business being like your child, um, I'm not a mom, I don't have kids, but I can, can definitely see where that parallels. And, um, 
you know, you kind of don't want your own crap to get absorbed by, by your kid, you know what I mean? And you don't want, um, what, whatever is like kind of holding you back to stifle the growth of, of that thing that you're nurturing. So, um, you know, as unbusinessy as this sounds, like I, I spent a lot of time trying to develop myself alongside developing the business. Yeah, no, I think that makes total sense, especially when you're so deeply imbricated in the business on a day-to-day basis. Um, so finally, what's next for machines? Also, I just have to say on a personal note, on the what's next front, I would really like to request the summer weight long sleeve and more prints because I live it. I live at 7,000 feet and you will not catch me on a single summer day with short sleeves outside. I am oh my so gosh. covered up all summer. <laughs> okay, good. You're a woman after my own heart. I, uh, we do have another print coming next month. So, um, very soon, uh, it, it, we're actually, we're going to be doing the photos for it, um, at the end of this month and then our factory shipment should be getting here around the same time. So, uh, keep your eyes peeled. Those are amazing. Thank you. I, yeah, there, I, if there's anybody listening, if you live at high elevation or even like a lower elevation, you should try them. They're so, so cool. Um, like you do not feel hot at all riding in them and they're fantastic for the summer. Yeah. Someone just wrote, uh, they had posted a picture of it on Instagram and tagged us and their caption read, it's like air conditioning for my body. (laughs) I was like, Oh my God, that is so good. That's like, that sort of sums it up. Um, so I, I mean, in LA it gets really hot around here and I just like to stay out of the sun. So I wear mine pretty religiously also. Um, but in terms of what's new, I mean, I mean, I can't go into too many specifics, but we are developing new clothing, which I'm so thrilled about because that has been on the back burner for a long time. And, um, you know, and we are interested in deviating from pure road cycling and looking at cycling in a, in a broader context. So I'm really excited about some of the pieces that we're working on. Um, and then there's all kinds of opportunities for fun collaborations with specialized, you know, with, um, you know, with their like new saddle developments and with their like bikes and I mean, their shoes and helmets, like, you know, they do so much rad stuff. So it's really exciting to be able to kind of like, um, just work on like fun projects with their other creative groups within the company and, and see what we can come up with. I would die for some machines for freedom road shoes. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> All right. I will, um, I will make a note. <laughs> I'm still hoping those custom shoes come out. Uh, that was Jen Krisky. I'm so happy we had a chance to catch up with her and talk about the changes that are happening at Machines for Freedom. In two weeks, Cassie and I are back and we're actually sitting down to have a founders chat about what it's like to run Wild Rye while we both work full-time jobs. So I hope you'll join us for a bit of an overview of the trials and tribulations of being an entrepreneur these days. Until then, this is Katie Hoversmoot and this is Wild Rye Radio. Thanks for listening. Thank you.